Let's go! Today we're going to pick up with Revelation chapter 1 verse 12, a quick recap of some things we've been talking about. So Jesus has given his revelation to John. John is on the island of Patmos. It is a rocky, barren place that you would not want to be. And he must have been in a lot of pain because they already tried to kill him unsuccessfully. And despite that persecution, despite the trial he was going through, he still leaned into Jesus. He wanted to hear Jesus. He wanted to listen to him. And he wanted to proclaim the name of Jesus. We know that these uh, letters are going to go out to the seven churches that are in modern-day Turkey. And we're told over and over again that God the Father and God the Son are the beginning and the end. We have to trust that they are sovereign, that they know everything that's happening in our lives and everything that will. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. They are the Trinity. They have different roles, but they are equal. Here we go, verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. Let's go to verse 12 again. Then I turned to see. So if we think back to the day, the Bible scholars of the day were wise men and uh, told the wise men that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, but they did not make the journey themselves. We have to be careful knowing something, but not living for it. You may go to church, you may read the Bible and have knowledge, but if you don't have the love of Christ and share it with people, then it's a 100% complete waste. There's no purgatory, there's no second chances. This is the Super Bowl, and you get to be in the Super Bowl for maybe a couple of, uh, of months or a couple of years. Right now, most of you listening to this are probably you know two decades to eight, to eight decades into your, your big Super Bowl, and let's make sure it counts at least let's finish strong you can start right here and go strong from here on out the thief on the cross god jesus promised him he said today you will be with me in paradise it wasn't about what he had done in a former part of his life it was right there he gave his life to christ so anyways that little tangent right there so he turned to see the voice that spoke with me um Vernon McGee says, John heard a voice like a war trumpet, and it spoke to him. When the Lord Jesus descends from heaven to remove his church from the earth, he will come with a shout. See 1 Thessalonians 4.16. It tells us about it. It actually says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. His voice will be like the voice of an archangel. His voice will be like a trumpet because it is identified here just as that. But it will be Christ's own voice. He's not going to need any archangel to help him raise his own from the dead. So we've got the the rapture in mind in in that voice right there uh, that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. The seven golden lampstands refer to the golden lampstands of Exodus 25, which with three lamps on each side of a main stem speak both of John 15, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, and of John 8, where he declared himself to be the light of the world. As seen in Matthew 5, we are to let our light shine as well, which can only happen 
if we stay connected to the stem of the candlestick, the true vine, Jesus Christ. Notice also that the candlestick is made of gold, which speaks of divinity, because it was not, but it, but it was not molten gold, melted. It was one piece of beaten gold, because Jesus was beaten, that we might be included with him in the lampstand. Those were the commentary of John Corson, and I think they are just so right on. But what's cool, remember we already talked about, we say let Scripture interpret Scripture. Let's not just say, oh, I think the golden lampstand is this, and it means this, and today I feel this emotion, so I'm going to say this about the... No, we let Scripture interpret Scripture. We just went back and looked at John 15, John 8, Exodus 25, Matthew 5. But if we fast forward to Revelation chapter 1, same chapter we're in, go to verse 20, Jesus actually defines the golden lampstands for us, so we don't have to do any guessing. Isn't that cool? So it says, I saw the seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet. So he had a garment on. Jesus, this, the garment speaks of priesthood. You can see Exodus 28:42. Jesus is the high priest. We don't need an earthly priest. We don't need an intermediary that we have to go between, that we have to confess our sins or go ask to or call Father. God the Father is our Father. He is the only one that we should be calling Father. Jesus Christ is the latter. When Jacob fell asleep with his head on the rock, he looked up and he saw the ladder with angels ascending, going up and down. Jesus is our intermediary and his sacrifice on the cross gave us direct access to God the Father because it didn't just cover up the sin like it used to with the animals in the Old Testament. It did away with the sin once and for all. And all you have to do is trust in that, accept that, accept Jesus into your life and the Holy Spirit will indwell you and you will have eternal life. The key theology that differentiates us from so many other religions is grace. And we have direct access. You see, the nation of Islam, Muslims, don't believe that they can have direct access, an intimate personal relationship with God. Christianity says, no, Jesus came so that we might have direct access to the throne of God. How cool is that? So he's clothed with this garment down to his feet, down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. The band around his chest symbolizes the righteousness and the faithfulness with which he judges. See Isaiah 11:5. We have to trust that God's righteousness is, is right. And uh, just like when we see God get angry, it's righteous anger. But when I get angry, it is not righteous anger. It is not in God's name. 99% of the time when I get angry, probably 99.999, I get anger because I get impatient. I get uh, worried. I get afraid, anxious, prideful, something like that. But it's not righteous anger. But we have to trust that Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, they understand righteousness. They, we get credited with righteousness. We're not even righteous in ourselves. When we accept Christ, we're not righteous. We're clothed in His righteousness. 
He is the faithful one. We want to become conform more to his character, so we want to come become more and more faithful. And so the challenge that I put to you and to me is, what are we doing today, the rest of the day, that's going to make us look more faithful and going to help us to conform more to God's righteousness than to maybe our unrighteous anger, for example? Verse 14, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. So here it's picturing his eternity, the ancient of days. If we look to Daniel 7, 9, I'll pull that up here. Daniel 7, 9 says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. So you see, we can go, that's the cool thing about Revelation. It really touches on so many different books of the Bible. Here we're going back to Daniel, and we'll do that again throughout Revelation and Ezekiel and lots of other great books. Um, and it's, it speaks of the wisdom and the purity of his judgments. It says it was white like wool and uh, white as snow. So he uses that term twice there, white as wool, white as snow. So, if you look at Isaiah 1.18, we read that though your sin has been scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So, the white hair represents the forgiveness and mercy that permeate Jesus' mind. He's saying, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. I know the thoughts in your head. But you are cleansed. You are forgiven, my son, is what he says. You are white. And that's the way I see you. The church, all believers in Jesus Christ, collectively as one, between uh, the uh, Pentecost and uh, the resurrection, or, uh, sorry, the rapture, which hasn't happened yet, but that's the, the church age, the, the church collectively, we're going to be the bride of Christ. But he tells us we can't be unequally yoked, so how can we be married to Jesus? Well, because he made us white as wool, white like wool, and white as snow, because he forgave our sins, past, present, and future. And that is exactly how we get to be in the presence of God, not by our righteousness, but, but by his, not by our faithfulness, but by his, and not because we're we are sinless, but he was. And he stands in our place. He took our judgment and our punishment that we so deserved. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Help us to forgive anybody that we need to forgive. Help us to call, email, or text someone that we want to ask forgiveness of. It's so hard because our pride wells up, Lord. Help us to see you and to understand your righteousness and your grace and your mercy and your patience, and your forgiveness. And that we don't just throw these terms around because they come top of mind, but because we want to conform to your character and understand them and live them out better. Lord, it is in your amazing name that we pray and study your word. Thank you for loving us so much. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Now it's time to go and make disciples, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people who Jesus is so that we have the right to tell them who Jesus is. I'd encourage you to share this by social media, text, or email. 
with someone who you think could benefit from learning more about the Word of God. Have a blessed day. Thank you.